I lock my bike amid a tangle of other pedal and battery-powered two-wheelers and walk across the concrete plaza. At a turnstile, security guards wearing face masks check the Sichuan Health Ministry QR code on my phone and wave me through to the grey brick streets beyond. I've just entered Quanjai Xiangzi, wide and narrow alleys, home to the Manchurian Eight Banners Regiment in ancient times, but now a commercialised tourist trap. The imitation Qing Dynasty shop fronts emit heady smells of spicy hot pot and cured yak meat, but I weave through the crowd and continue on my way. With the meat industry responsible for 60% of greenhouse gases from food, I've come here to explore what I believe isn't only an ethical question, but also an existential one. Is the widespread shift to a plant-based food system possible in the world's most populous country? And if so, what would such a change look like? In the hope of answering this question, I'm heading to San Chuan Jiu Wei, Three Rivers Nine Flavors, a Sichuanese restaurant where the head chef is offering crash courses in traditional plant-based Sichuanese cuisine. In China we have a saying, says Zhong Li, or Johnny, standing at his kitchen island surrounded by a small cluster of curious foreigners like myself. Yi ba cai dao da tian xia. One kitchen knife can conquer the world. When I worked overseas in Singapore, I used a different knife for every task. But we won't be doing that today. You go first. Johnny hands me the universal Chinese cleaver, and I chop pickled chilies, spring onions, garlic and ginger the way he's just shown us, before dropping them into sizzling oil. Today we're making yuxiang, fish fragrance, a totally plant-based sauce, the name of which originated, according to the story, when a family ran out of fish and threw together the last ingredients in their house, accidentally creating a Chinese mainstay. I grew up with these flavors, says Johnny, as I add soy sauce and black vinegar. I can learn the dishes of other regions or even other countries, but only authentic Sichuan flavors give me the memories of childhood. That's why I want to share them with foreigners. It's part of my culture. When we stir cornstarch, water, and sugar into the mix, it becomes the iconic red sauce that lifts everything it touches. Reducing it to a simmer, I use the flat edge of the cleaver to squash tofu into a paste, and watch as another volunteer wrings out the excess water with gauze. She then mixes the tofu in a bowl with crushed water chestnuts and inserts this stuffing into cylindrical slices of aubergine, which we batter and deep fry twice. These crispy golden patties are called chiebing aubergine cakes, and we toss them into the yuxiang sauce before plating them up. Not bad, says Johnny, holding up the dish for inspection. The chiebing are the right size, and the yuxiang sauce has the right amount of shine from the cornstarch. People would pay 45 renminbi for that easy. It tastes damn good. The chiebing are crispy on the outside, and creamy yet fibrous within, like a schnitzel. And the Yuxiang sauce has achieved that balance of spicy, smoky, and sweet I've always found elusive while attempting it at home. Between mouthfuls, I asked Johnny what inspired him to concentrate on cooking plant-based meals. To attract foreigners, he says bluntly, they often look for plant-based dishes at my restaurant, so I do a vegan menu each Monday and run these classes. But the locals, they will always choose meat dishes when they go out, because they think it's more special. I'm not surprised by this remark. In recent years, it's been estimated that China consumes 28% of the world's meat, with consumption rates rising in line with living standards. Impacts include an increased risk of pandemics, as well as higher rates of obesity. Perhaps in part because it was unaffordable to many until recently, meat grants those who consume it a sense of affluence and indulgence. 
Nonetheless, it was interesting to experience vegan cuisine that retained an authentic Sichuanese identity. To get a better idea of the potential of plant-based food in China, though, I need to go to a place where vegan cuisine is more than just a gimmick on Mondays. In the dusty morning sunshine, I ride along the wide, empty streets of a suburban district, twenty kilometers southeast of our apartment. Hugging the pavement to my right are the bamboo forests and farm smallholdings of Chengdu Eco Zone, a 133-square-kilometer greenbelt, which it is intended will encircle the entire city over the coming years. I'm heading for Zhuan Dao Xiao Yuan, food street courtyard, an organic vegan restaurant run by the Taiwanese Tsou family since 2013. Cycling up a driveway into the ecological area, I find their restaurant with a quaint vegetable garden out front, opposite a field of yellow canola flowers. China has five seasons, says Ellen Tsou, a bright woman in her twenties who comes across as earnestly passionate about her work. Winter, spring, summer, long summer, and autumn. On the stainless steel countertop, an array of organic vegetables are laid out, all freshly picked from the surrounding urban farms. We have recently entered spring. Ellen continues, a time of change in which it's important to maintain balance in the body and protect the lungs. Lotus root is good for the lungs, so we'll be eating that today. I find this modern restaurant, with its composting facilities and attached health food shop, an interesting setting for this old-school folk wisdom. Ellen goes on to say that the philosophy of Taoism, China's indigenous religion that emerged from shamanism and nature worship. Provides the philosophical basis for the restaurant's approach. We aim for a state of balance and harmony with nature, both inside our bodies and with the natural world. Today we're going to cook a feast of Xinjiang-style vegetable curry, tomato and lettuce soup, spinach and tofu salad, multi-grain rice, and pickled seasonal vegetables. Mr. Gao, an experienced local chef with a gruff Chengdu dialect, begins arranging all the visitors into stations. Assigning roles so the operation may run smoothly. I'm on veg cutting duty, while some other visitors are making glutinous rice balls and blanching batches of spinach. Work begins, and unlike the previous cooking experience, it's a group effort with Mr. Gao at the helm. After an hour of frenzied activity, dishes begin getting passed through the chef window, and we all file outside to sit around a table amid the herbs and citrus trees in beautiful sunshine. The food definitely tastes balanced. The Xinjiang curry is rich, sweetened with pineapple, while the blanched spinach and tofu salad is lean and fresh. I'm curious to know whether Mr. Gao eats vegan himself, or if he just cooks this food for work, like Johnny. I haven't eaten meat in ten years, he says flatly. It happened purely by accident. I was a regular chef for many years, but then I got a job cooking at Wanshu Buddhist Monastery. I'm a lifelong Buddhist, so it seemed natural to give up meat. Mr. Gao's answer reminds me that in China, Buddhist monks and nuns are almost all vegans or vegetarians, a fact unique to the country stemming back to the fifth century. And while it is fairly common for lay Buddhists such as Mr. Gao to adopt a similar diet, I'm curious about his individual reasoning. So, with Ellen's help, I ask him what his motivations for staying vegetarian are. After thinking for a few seconds, he says simply, "I no longer have any desire to eat meat." This strikes me as a very Buddhist response. Buddhism is about mastery of one's own desires, and while it's often assumed that Buddhist schools promote vegetarianism to reduce the suffering of animals, this is a very modern take on an ancient philosophy. As John Kieschnick explains in Buddhist Vegetarianism in China, 
Abstinence from meat is a practice of personal cultivation, encouraged not for concerns for animal welfare, but to avoid karmic retribution for the individual and to prevent hindrance to the ability for an individual to cultivate compassion. He goes on to add, For the ancient Chinese, butchering animals was in general considered entirely natural and unproblematic. This has actually caused some modern vegans to reject traditional Buddhist meat abstinence as non-vegan. After the meal, Ellen insists on picking handfuls of fresh mint and rosemary from the garden for me, herbs that are hard to come by in Chinese megacities. While doing so, she explains that for her family, the personal cultivation taught in Buddhism and the respect for nature in Taoism both inform their worldview. But, she adds, it's also influenced by modern awareness of animal welfare, environment and health. Riding home slowly with my stomach full, I have plenty of time to reflect on these two very different experiences of vegan culture in China and feel both hopeful and impressed. With such delicious ingredients, along with mastery of long-established meat substitutes like tofu and deep cultural traditions of plant-based cuisine, I feel that the people of China are, at the very least, as Charlie Campbell writes, better to placed to embrace veganism than Americans indoctrinated by a powerful meat lobby and a founding myth built around cowboys and beef ranchers. While the challenges inherent in restructuring the world's food systems are immense, the Chinese state has huge influence over the population's consumer choices. If they choose to leverage this power, tapping into the population's established proclivity for vegan eating, a vegan China might be closer than we think. Thank you for listening. Please subscribe to this newsletter for free if you haven't already, and you will receive a video demonstrating some of the amazing vegan Chinese recipes we've been learning here in Chengdu later in the month. Also, we hope that stories like these can help broaden people's perspectives on China and promote empathy and dialogue in a time of division. Please help us achieve this by forwarding this article to an email address of your choice, as well as sharing it on social media. As always, if you have any questions or comments, or if there's anything you'd like us to cover in Dogmatic, do get in touch. We want to hear from you. See you next time.